Hi, I'm Sam Tucker from the radio show Food for Thought about veganism and animal rights. You can find me at ffttradio.wordpress.com and you're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. This episode, I'll talk about Sea Shepherd. I've been interested in Sea Shepherd for a long time, but have put off doing an episode about them until now. What's made Sea Shepherd especially interesting for me has been the 80 Gill, a boat formerly known as Earthrace. Earthrace was built to break the world record in crossing the world in a powered boat. Earthrace could run on diesel, or biodiesel, and had an aggressive design, built to pierce through waves rather than go over the top. Earthrace set a new world record for powered boats, fully circling the world in just 60 days, 23 hours, and 49 minutes. I could have just rounded that up to under 61 days. What makes this very special is that a New Zealander was in charge. In New Zealand, we have a saying, world famous in New Zealand. It means that we've done something spectacular that deserves worldwide recognition, yet it's not well known outside of New Zealand. Many New Zealanders have come up with well-known inventions, although they don't receive much credit. As a New Zealander, I felt proud that Earthrace was a very innovative New Zealand boat. Part of me was quite glad to know that Earthrace would be joining Sea Shepherd. The boat had been bought by Sea Shepherd and renamed 80 Gill after a donor. Here is an interview with Earthrace skipper Pete Bethune. He's quite a character. You'll notice how laid-back New Zealand blokes are. Earthrace was a New Zealander's project to draw attention to biofuels. The trimaran was able to go halfway round the world on a tank of gas, and it holds the record for the fastest circumnavigation of the globe by a powerboat. But this beast is not out cutting through waves. She's in the shed in Helensville. Earthrace is undergoing a refit, getting ready for a new eco-mission. We're heading down to Antarctica to go and hassle the Japanese whalers. This is just the latest media stunt for environmentalist Pete, who seems pretty keen on getting coverage. I'm a prostitute, mate. I'll whore myself to anyone, even you guys, because you've just got to connect with people, and media is the most effective way to do that. The links he'll go to attracting media are epic. His take on DIY biofuel, for example. I underwent liposuction, and they got about 100 ml of fat out of my back, and then I took five or about 10 kilos of human fat from a couple of fat buggers, and I made biodiesel from human fat, and his story went round the globe. He puts a lot of work in because journos love a story handed to them. I found a lot of media is lazy. 
you've got to spoon feed them. Spoon feed them a press release so they can cut and paste the whole story, chuck it in a newspaper. So, he has it all ready to go. So for example on the website, we have a, an FTP server that we load high-res images on you know, pretty much every day. In there as well there's HD video that news networks can download for free. Give them good content. You know, going down to screw over the Japanese whalers, mate, that is, that is media worthy. The approach works. His coverage is phenomenal. These are links to just some of the thousands of media stories from his website. Not that all the stories are positive. Earth race tragically collided with a vessel off Guatemala and a fisherman died. Pete's message is that you need to front up, good or bad. Media was all over us and it was a nightmare. The boat got roped off as a crime scene. But there was all these journalists up on the dock wanting to film us and they kept trying to coax me and my crew to come out and, and give an interview and stuff and we just didn't want a bar of it. That was very difficult but we did front up. He fronts up because he needs the media to tell his story, to spread his environmentalism. How many people have his messages touched? On, on the website we've had 3 million unique visitors in 12 months. Other than that I don't really know but it, it's shitloads. And once the refit is finished, he hopes shitloads more will see his antics bothering the Japanese whalers, for whom he has just this one request. I hope they don't shoot my boat, eh? And here's a longer, more formal interview with Radio New Zealand. The anti-whaling protesters who each year try to disrupt Japanese whaling ships in the Southern Ocean have just had a boost. From this country, Kiwi round-the-world sailor Pete Bethune is set to join the Australian-based Sea Shepherd ship Steve Irwin with his futuristic speedboat Earthrace. Last year, Pete circled the globe in Earthrace in 61 days, fuelled by biodiesel. He slashed something like 14 days off the previous world record for circumnavigating the globe. We interviewed him, actually. And you'll be familiar with this, as we said, futuristic-looking vessel. It's sort of got a bit of a look of the Batmobile about it. Well, the International Whaling Commission has been meeting in Spain where Japan has asked Australia to prevent the Sea Shepherd even leaving port. So what if not only the Sea Shepherd but indeed this new powerboat is going to be operating down in the Southern Ocean endeavouring to disrupt whaling? Pete Bethune says they're going to have a much bigger disruption on their hands now that Earth Race is involved. He joins us now on the line from Seattle. Thanks for being with us. Hey, good to be with you again. Indeed. Uh, first of all, the IWC meeting last week appears there was no compromise uh, between the whaling and non-whaling nations. What do you make of how far that meeting got? Uh, look, look. The, the Japanese make a lot of money out of whaling. A single whale is worth roughly a million New Zealand dollars. And while they continue to go down and make um, small fortunes, uh, they will continue to whale. And I think the key is they've got to start losing money in their operations down there before they'll stop. What are your plans then for taking Earth Race down there and what you might do? Um, look, if I go telling you what we're going to do, I might as well send a letter to the Japanese. But trust me, I'm not going down there uh, to, to play checkers with them. We're going down there to disrupt their operations. And um, the more we can disrupt them, um, hopefully the more expensive it becomes for them to get down there and the fewer whales they may start to take. But... Um, not not an easy thing. The Japanese are well funded. They've got um, pretty fast vessels. Um, they've got a lot of resource they go putting into it. But we, we've got some. We've got a few ideas and plans and some strategies we'll be putting in, and, and hopefully we can make a difference. Paul Watson uh, of the Sea Shepherd, which of course has found itself in a fair bit of uh, controversy 
uh, from time to time, has talked about the boat being used to intercept and block harpoons. Yeah, look, um, Paul never, never ran that by me, and that's got the sort of thing they've tended to do in the past. And um, one of the tactics they can do is if they get in front of the vessel, they can put the vessel between the um, the whalers and the whale. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's the best way to disrupt their operations, but it, it's one of the options we've got. But, um, yeah, there's various other things we can do as well. I, I don't want to see my boat with a harpoon stuck through the side of it and tied to the side of a Japanese boat, you know. It is an, an issue, isn't it, just how nasty things can get down there. There was the uh, incident of the all the water spraying going on, uh, and there is always a risk of a situation getting out of hand. Would a vessel of your scale and manoeuvrability potentially be a, something incendiary, if you like, look, in we, that standoff? Yeah, look, we, we add a different element down there. The, the challenge that Sea Shepherd has had in the past is they're too slow. The, the Steve Irwin has a maximum speed of only 16 knots and the whalers do 22. So they've, they've caught up with the whalers and then in a few hours the whalers pack up their things and head off to a different part of the Ross Sea or Antarctica. So um, with Earth Race, our speed and our range, they won't get away from us. Once we get on their tails, we should be able to um, keep hassling them um, almost for an indefinite period. Um, and certainly Earth Race is very manoeuvrable. It's um, we're not, we don't have the limitations of a very small boat. You know, when they put these little wee ribs out and start hassling the, the whalers, that they're only seven or eight metre vessels and they're not suited to to the conditions so much. Whereas Earth Race, it's big enough that we can handle whatever conditions are going to be there, except for the ice. The ice remains a real um, a real hazard for us. And um, at the moment, we're busy about to put half a ton of Kevlar on the hull to try and toughen it up. And it still doesn't make it completely ice-proof. It just makes it, um, if you do go hitting some ice, it will localise the damage more. But I guess that, that remains one of my concerns going down there is the ice conditions. When you talk about disrupting operations, does that mean that somehow whatever methods you use will be able to prevent whaling? Yep, for sure. For sure. We, will, we can do some things down there that will, uh, that will prevent them from, um, from taking whales, most definitely. That would lead one to believe that there would be a position of confrontation somehow. There'll be there'll be confrontation, I'm sure. And um, look, look, if they get a million dollars a whale, they won't give the whale up easily. And uh, that you know they'll continue to to use um, to do whatever they can to get us out of the way. But so, what you will prevent them from accessing a whale they've harpooned? Uh, yes, yes, indeed. How much are you prepared for what could get out of hand? in the Southern Ocean in that kind of standoff? Um, look, you'd, you'd, you'd take the risks that are there and you know we'll, we'll see how it unfolds once we get down there. The, the, the plans that we've got, um, you know, we're not 100% sure how the Japanese are going to react to them. Um, so <laughs> give me a call in six months, mate, and I'll, uh, I'll let you know. But you know, like I said before, we're not going down there to play checkers. We're going down there to disrupt operations and I'm sure there, there will be some difficult situations that arise. But I, I believe what the Japanese are doing down there is wrong. They don't they don't have a right to go down there taking those whales and you know, shooting a thing with an explosive harpoon and sometimes these whales take half an hour to die. I mean, we, society's moved on from that and I I just think it's wrong and I'm I'm prepared to make a stand and see if we can 
make a difference down there. If you are successful, and because of the speed and manoeuvrability of the boat, you may well be successful in either preventing them harpooning or indeed preventing them then being able to locate and remove a creature that they have killed, they may well take the step that they've taken previously, taking you into custody. You prepared even for that? Um, yeah, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They, they lock me up for... For, for a few weeks or something, you know, maybe I'll take the time and write a book. If they arrest me, they arrest me, but, you know, Earthrace is a sovereign vessel, and if they try and take me from Earthrace, you know, they're effectively kidnapping me, and there's, you know, there's serious charges if they go attempting that. So, um, you know, let, let, let's see what happens when we get down there, but um, if they if they go arresting me off my vessel, that's that's... That's illegal, and it takes it a, a step further than they've ever gone before. So um, let, let's see what happens. In around six months then, this is when you'll be heading down there? Yeah, we'll be heading down most probably in uh, December, um, maybe leaving for... We're not sure yet. We're still meeting with Sea Shepherd this week to um, to go through tactics and strategies and resource and um, when we'll be leaving. And I expect it'll be December, maybe from Fremantle, or uh, we may leave directly from New Zealand. Um, I, I know the, the Japanese, have, you know, they've asked um, the Australians to try and uh, prevent the Steve Irwin from going, but um, they have a reasonable amount of support in Australia, and uh, I'd, I'd be surprised to see that happen. And, but um, to make things simpler for us, we may leave directly from New Zealand. It is interesting that prior to the election there had been talk about uh, an Australian Navy frigate even being sent down to the Southern Ocean. Uh, that doesn't seem to be pursued, going to be pursued by the Australian government now. Do you have a sense that this season may be one, a crossroads, if you like, in the battle against Wales? I hope Wayne? so. I hope so. Um, it, it's, I've been watching it for quite a few years now, and every year the same thing happens. The Greenpeace and, and more recently Sea Shepherd, they go down there, um, everyone knows what's going on, and the Japanese, they still keep doing the same thing. They still talk about increasing their quota up to a 1,000 and um, wanting to take... Now they're talking about taking um, 50 fin whales this year and uh, even this talk of humpback whales. So, they, you know, they're gradually increasing um, their presence down there, and it pisses me off. I, I just... They seem to carry on doing it, and nothing seems to happen, and I, it needs to be ramped up down there. Uh, and I think if we can if we can start if we can make it so they're not making as much money, it becomes less attractive to them. And to do that, they've got to start taking fewer whales. And hopefully, we can be part of that. We'll talk to you again. I'm sure. Thanks for your time today, Pete Bethune. There. All right, good to talk to you again. Of the uh, Earth Race, as we said, this uh, vessel, speed vessel, which on biodiesel circumnavigated the globe in record time last year. It is now in six months' time going to head down to the Southern Ocean to join the Sea Shepherd, the activist uh, ship, in endeavouring very directly to disrupt Japanese whaling operations down there. I loved a lot of things about Earth Race, which was renamed 80 Gill, once bought by Sea Shepherd. But I do have to wonder why the boat was going to join them as they protested and clashed with the Japanese whaling fleet. 80 Gill was no doubt very fast, Sea Shepherd boats have often had trouble keeping up with the whalers in the past, but it's also very small and well known. If it were damaged, it would no doubt be very expensive to fix and demoralising. Owner and founder of Sea Shepherd, 
Paul Watson had said that the 80 gil would be used to block whalers' harpoons. That the 80 gil would be put in between the whales and the whalers. As we now know, the boat got too close to a whaling ship and there was a collision. Both sides have released videos of what happened, but I'm still not clear. The Japanese whalers' video was what I saw first. This video was taken from the Shonen Maru 2, the ship that hit the 80 gil. In this video, it sounds like a siren is going off, and the Japanese ship is spraying water at the 80 gil. I hate when they do this, spraying water each other with a high-pressure water cannon. The Japanese have said that they use these to keep Sea Shepherd from trying to board their ships. But it looks downright irresponsible to spray a smaller boat with these massive jets of water, especially when it's close to you, as in the video. The whaling ship hits the 80 gil, and a large split appears along the side and at the very front point of the hull. It seems things are floating out of the bow. Now, in a Sea Shepherd video from another Sea Shepherd ship, taken from a distance, it looks like the Japanese ship swerves at the 80 gil, which is stationary. The Japanese boat then seems to pull away just before it hits. This makes it look like the Japanese deliberately were trying to hit the 80 gil. This is 3 News' initial report about the collision. There's a dramatic clash in the Antarctic Ocean between the Japanese whalers and Pete Bethune's protest boat, and the former Earth race has reportedly been cut in half and is sinking. These reports only started coming in just moments ago, and Emma's been gathering details for us. Emma. Carolyn, that's right. Good evening. The uh, AD Girl is a $1.5 million vessel. Now, that's the stealth vessel for the anti-whaling group Sea Shepherd. Uh, from what we understand, the AD Girl was idling in the Commonwealth Bay in Antarctica when it was approached and rammed by the Japanese vessel, the Shonen Maru. The Shonen Maru is a security vessel for the Japanese whalers. It's reported that the remains of the AD Girl are sinking, but the six men on board have been rescued and are uninjured. The captain of the Steve Irwin, Captain Watson, has been quoted as saying, this seriously escalates the situation. Now we're in the process of trying to contact uh, Captain Watson and we'll bring you further details tonight as they come to hand during the bulletin. Carolyn. Emma, for now, thank you. More now on the sinking of the former Earth race by the Japanese in Antarctica. Emma, what more can you tell us? Alistair, we've spoken to Chris Altman on board the Steve Irwin. He tells us that the AD Gill is missing about three metres of its bow and this is some of what he had to say. Uh, thankfully, no one was in the bow at the time of collision, or they would have been certainly uh, killed instantly. Uh, they're all okay. Uh, they're probably a little shaken, but they're doing just fine, and they're switch gears into salvage mode, trying to get as much equipment off the vessel as they can. Yeah, um, Alistair, he says that the AD girl is still afloat, and uh, they're in recovery mode now, as you heard. They need to rescue the vehicle as soon as they can so that it doesn't pose any other environmental dangers in the Antarctic waters. Now, the Japanese Institute of Cetacean Research claims that the AD girl crew were launching projectiles at the Japanese whaling vessel, the Nishin Maru, prior to the incident, and they're describing the AD girl's actions as harassment and terrorism. Alistair. Emma, thank you very much indeed. The whalers say that the 80 Gill had been harassing their ships prior to the collision. They say that the collision was accidental, that they were turning and tried to get out of the way, but that the 80 Gill accelerated in front of their ship. Sea Shepherd say that the Japanese deliberately hit the 80 Gill while it was stationary. The skipper of the boat, Pete Bethune, has said that he saw the Japanese boat and was trying to reverse, but didn't have time. Here's a second clip, 
after the boat had sunk. An attempt to salvage 80 gil after it collided with a Japanese whaling ship has failed and the former earth race vessel has sunk in Antarctic waters. Its Kiwi captain Pete Bethune says he's devastated by the whole experience. Emma Jolliffe reports. After the dramatic collision between the AD Gill and the Shonen Maru 2, crew removed any fuel or contaminants from the AD Gill before attempting to tow it to a French research station to see what could be salvaged. But at 3am it took on board too much water and went down. To see it have its final resting place down here in the Southern Ocean was certainly an incredibly emotional moment. But Captain Pete Bethune says he wasn't there to see it. So I had my suspicions and I said to the guys when I went to bed last night, I said, look, uh, if, the, if the boat goes down, don't wake me. He says he's gutted. I, don't, I probably didn't want to see it. The uninsured vessel was regarded as crucial to the Sea Shepherd's anti-whaling campaign. I think the Japanese um, whaling fleet looked on the Adigil as a severe threat because it was a vessel that enabled us to block the harpoons. It was faster than a harpoon vessel, so it was a perfect interceptor vessel. The Japanese still maintain it was the AD Gill crew who were at fault. Uh, the series of those sabotage taken by the Sea Shepherd were very dangerous acts, uh, which would risk life and safety of the Japanese crew members. And they had sympathy from our own foreign minister. People are determined to break the law and determined to kill other people on the high seas, then it is not the responsibility of the New Zealand government or any other government to go and send armed vessels down there or something of that sort to stop them. The Foreign Affairs Minister wasn't commenting on the matter today, saying it's now up to Maritime New Zealand to investigate the collision. The Office of the Minister said reports of an official complaint from the Japanese government were a mistranslation and denied there is any political stoush over the incident. The Greens say the government should be doing more. Not only is the Japanese whaling fleet illegally trying to kill whales in the Southern Ocean, they're now also trying to kill the people that are trying to protect the whales. What, what will it take for the New Zealand government to stand up and do something? Our objective is to sink the Japanese whaling fleet economically, that is to bankrupt them. That's the language they understand. Protesters gathered outside the Japanese embassy in Wellington today. We're here to protest against what the Japanese government are doing down in Antarctica, killing a thousand of our whales this year. So will we see another AD Gill? Simply too effective at shutting down their operations. So we're certainly exploring the possibility of maybe, maybe building a, a second AD Gill and we may very well see the reincarnation of that ship in the future. A reincarnation that's one step closer today with a new donor reportedly offering a million dollars towards building the AD Gill 2. Emma Jolliffe, 3 News. I absolutely don't agree with the whalers, who are there to kill whales, but I also find myself at odds with Sea Shepherd. A lot of Sea Shepherd's history and tactics are controversial. They pull what I call pranks or stunts, what they might call direct action. They do things to annoy the whalers. They like to throw foul-smelling liquids at the whaling boats. They like to shine lasers at the whalers. They like to ram whaling boats. They've tried dropping cables in the water in front of the other ships to tangle the propellers of the whaling boat. I don't think these are mature or responsible things to be doing as an animal rights activist. I think Antarctica is a seriously dangerous place as it is, without two groups having skirmishes by ramming each other's ships, trying to blind each other with lasers, and trying to deafen each other with loud sounds. It's just plain dangerous and I don't see how these actions could help the whales. If anything, if the whales can hear all this, 
I assume it would only hurt them. I would support Sea Shepherd if they went down to protest the whalers, by having their ships nearby with banners and monitoring what the whalers do. I don't support when they do outright dangerous and unhelpful actions towards the whalers. Whales are meant to be protected. Many species are endangered. The Japanese whalers are getting around this by saying it's done as research. I don't believe that for a second. But, the Japanese whalers are still people. They are animals too. And I don't think Sea Shepherd has the right to threaten their lives. I've learnt that Sea Shepherd run a vegan fleet. I'm very impressed with this, although it really should be the moral baseline of all animal rights activists. Here's a clip featuring Paul Watson, leader of Sea Shepherd. And the reason for that is that uh, it's purely, really, it's not even an animal rights issue. It's purely an environmentalist issue. You cannot be an environmentalist unless you're at least a vegetarian. And certainly not a vegan. Or certainly vegan. The reason being, it takes 12,000 liters of water to produce one pound of beef. 36% of all the fish that is taken out of our oceans is fed to livestock. The pig is now one of the largest aquatic predators on the planet. Domestic house cats are eating more tuna than all the world's seals put together. And chickens on factory farms in Denmark are eating more fish than all the albatross and puffins put together. This is the kind of world that we've created. We are destroying the oceans. We're destroying life in the oceans. 90% of the world's fisheries have collapsed. Every single commercial fishery in the world today is in a state of collapse. According to all the experts, there will be no commercial fishery after 2048 for the simple reason we will have destroyed life in the sea. And if we destroy life in the sea, we destroy the oceans. And if the oceans die, we all die. It's as simple as that. And I don't think people really understand the seriousness of this situation. Forget about global warming. It's destruction of biodiversity in the ocean that's going to kill us. Because a dead ocean means a dead planet. And we have for so long taken it for granted, pumping 88,000 different chemicals into the oceans continuously, plus killing everything that's there. And if we can't save the whales, if we can't save the sharks, how are we going to save everything else? And that's why it is so desperately, uh, such a desperately serious situation that we have here. I'm glad that Sea Shepherd are consistent with not hurting any animals, although it's 2010. Surely all so-called animal rights groups should be expected to be vegan by now. My dear friend, Elizabeth Collins of NZ Vegan Podcast, has an opinion about Sea Shepherd. Hi, Jordan. Thank you once again for allowing me to be on your wonderful podcast, Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I just want to add my support to your um, podcast about Sea Shepherd. Um, the, thing is, the thing that makes it difficult for people when animal advocates show express some kind of discomfort or lack of full support for um, organizations such as Sea Shepherd, well, I don't know if there's any others quite like them, is um, it's disconcerting because I think that people miss the real miss the point, and I really hope that we can clear this up. Um, Jordan has a lot more information on them. I don't really know a lot about them. I don't really pay much attention to them. Um, I know that they are, you know, there are individual whales who are saved from slaughter at the time of intervention. Uh, I, I think that that's what happens. I think that they have actually thwarted um, slaughter attempts, um, and who? 
that cares about animals is going to discount the impact of that on the individual whale's lives. Nobody. Nobody has any right to accuse us of thinking that we are not supporting the, the, the life being saved. That's not the point here. First of all, Paul Watson is um, a conservationist and the the boat is vegan and at least that's more consistent than Greenpeace uh, but he's only vegan in the name of consistency with regard to the fact that we're destroying the oceans to um, su support our humans uh, consumption of seafood, unnecessary consumption I might add of seafood. Uh, we don't need to eat seafood to live, we can eat plant-based food to live and any coastal dwelling countries that are living on seafood. I mean, we we all have to come together to um, help each other thrive on a plant-based diet. I think it's just the best thing for everybody, and it's especially the best thing for all of the living sentient animals that we share this earth with. So, all that aside, I want to support um, Jordan's uh, criticism of of sea shepherd's tactics with regard from a vegan animal rights point of view. Sea shepherd. Uh, Paul Watson is, is, is not an animal rights advocate. He's only vegan because of the aforementioned reason. And he makes that very clear. Go read his articles. But the bottom line is they get plenty of support from your, you know, the general public. People who um, are opposed to whale hunting but see nothing wrong with the slaughtering of baby lambs, uh, chickens, cows, ducks, sheep, goats, pigs, and Every other animal, all the fish, you know, they, these are people who are incredibly confused with total and utter moral confusion and he gets plenty they get plenty of support from those people um, everybody loves what they're doing it's a TV show as well so you know um, I think that as animal rights advocates and vegan advocates you know we need consistency so I'm also a pacifist and I think that the tactics that are being used are potentially dangerous for all involved and with regards to effectiveness and what we're trying to do what Sea Shepherd does if they save a whale um, at the time is for that whale is life itself. Nobody is denying that. But I don't, I don't, I don't promote them. I don't support them as an animal rights advocate for veganism. They are inconsistent. They are speciesist, and they're really not doing anything to change the paradigm. In fact, they are portraying um, people who are opposed to a certain specific type of animal use. We're not talking about. We're not talking about all animal use. We're just talking about whales and dolphins. And, um, you know, most people are opposed to that. Most people don't eat whales and dolphins. They eat them in Japan. But in Japan, they think it's very hypocritical of us because we eat other animals. Um, there was a great article written by Roger Yates, um, whose partner is Japanese. And the Japanese revere foxes. Foxes are a mythical creature for them, a revered creature for them. And what the English do to foxes and other countries do to foxes is to them equal to our reaction to what they're doing to whales and dolphins. So it's just speciesism and this is a single issue campaign and like I say anytime an individual animal is saved that is life itself for that animal that's that's life itself for that animal um, I just wish that they would use peaceful perhaps thwarting tactics that didn't involve um, violent tactics and um, sensationalism um, I don't know how you would go about peacefully um, thwarting the radar of a boat and and um, deflecting a, a, a successful whale hunt um, there are people in England who, who did the same for you know the hunt saboteurs and things like that it was it was very peaceful methods that they used. I don't know enough about whale hunting I'm not opinionating about the you know how you go about peacefully saving the life of a whale while the whale is being hunted and um, attempted to be murdered. Um, that's really not what this is about. But I just think as animal rights advocates, the general public supports these guys. They get 
all of their money and support. People who are incredibly morally confused support these guys. We don't need to jump on board. They're going to keep doing what they're doing without our support. And I just don't agree with, I just think it's a confusing message to send to people. It's just... Um, it's just really not helping our movement. Um, if they're going to, they're going to continue doing what they're doing, no matter what I say, no matter what we say. And um, if uh, a whale is saved, then that's life itself for the whale. I just don't think it's effective advocacy. But um, like I say, I'm not judging the lives saved. Who would? Um, please don't think that I'm opposing to the saving of lives. I'm really tired of people saying that they're really missing the point. These guys are getting support from people who eat all kinds of other animals and see nothing wrong with animal use. They just think that whales are very, very special creatures. Well, they are very special creatures, but all all living sentient beings are amazingly special creatures. And as a vegan animal rights advocate, I have nothing to do with Sea Shepherd. Absolutely nothing. And um, I don't support them. I don't promote them. And I don't think that they are doing anything to further the cause for veganism and animal rights. And Without my support and other vegan animal rights supporters, they get plenty of support, like I say, from the morally confused speciesist world. And um, they're going to continue to do what they do. So we don't really need to add ourselves to that maze. I think people need to take a good look at what they're at what they're vocalizing, you know, what are we trying to do here, us, you know, the, the vegan animal rights movement, what are we trying to do? And let's take a really good look at that. Paul Watson is not a vegan for animal rights reasons. He makes that very, very clear. So just, just read what he has to say. Think twice before you promote him as an animal rights, you know, representative, anybody who is thinking that is, is very much mistaken. And um, Jordan has um, a lot more insight on specific things that I really know nothing much about. I really don't have a lot to do with I just haven't really I just don't have the time to spend trying to unravel uh, this kind of thing um, I'm too busy advocating for veganism and the end of all animal use well, Jordan has a lot more insight on the specific things that they do he's done a lot more research than me that's just my you know my two cents um, I really hope that people understand what what we're saying um, these these guys are on TV you know they're not gonna you know if we if we don't promote them they're they're already you know very famous. Um, they're not helping our cause at all. If you think that, you are deluding yourselves. All right, Jordan, um, thanks so much for everything that you're doing. It's been an honor and a pleasure, and um, I would love to have you on my podcast again soon to talk about your podcast. All righty. Take care, everyone. Bye. You can find Elizabeth at nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com. I support all that she does, especially her tabling. Elizabeth often goes out with William Paul, another New Zealand vegan, and they spread creative vegan education to interested people in public spaces. I would love to do the same here, although I live in a smaller, more rural area, and I really don't think I would find a receptive audience. I tell myself I have to try one day, though. I really wish I could join Elizabeth in her work. Although we are separated by a thousand kilometres, perhaps it's for the best, since we can both campaign in the areas where we live, and we have a greater reach than if we all lived in one city. Once again, you can find Elizabeth at nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you for helping me today, Elizabeth. I have no problem if Sea Shepherd go out to sea and stay near the whalers with protest banners, but I don't think their direct action techniques work. Throwing stink bombs, shining lasers at people, ramming whaling ships, these do not help animals. I'd argue that they only make animal rights people look insane. These actions make us easier to write off as a bunch of radical greenies.
I have a green laser pointer. It's a very cool thing to shine at the stars at night. Green lasers are easier to see since our eyes are more sensitive to green. You can see the full beam in the air, not just a dot at the end, so it looks sort of like an infinite lightsaber. This makes it useful for pointing at long distances, to stars for example. You obviously don't see a dot on the star, but instead you see what looks like a neon green pole, pointing at what you'd like to show. I don't think you should be shining lasers at anyone. It's outright dangerous in itself. They could cause eye damage. They do temporarily blind. What if a blinded whaler fell overboard, or were injured by one of their machines? I hate what the whalers are doing, but we shouldn't be risking their lives. This isn't an action movie from the 1980s. We shouldn't be cheering as the bad guy falls down into his own meat grinding machine. Ha ha, that'll teach you. This is real life. Whalers are people too. I don't want to see them killed any more than I want the butcher around the corner killed, or my father, who worked for about 10 years at an abattoir. My parents would never let me shine my lasers at people, especially if I were trying to blind them, which I never would. I don't think anyone should be doing things like that. It's like running with scissors. A New Yorker article mentions. In Earth Force, Watson advises readers to make up facts and figures when they need to, and to deliver them to reporters confidently, as Ronald Reagan did. Watson possesses Reagan's intuitive grasp of the media, and like Reagan, at times he seems astray in the labyrinth of his own illusions. Several years after ramming the Sierra, Watson gave himself the title of captain, though he does not have a captain's license. I've not read Watson's book. I don't know if he really said it's fine to make up lies. The New Yorker has a long history. It's kind of well known in America. I've linked to the story so you can read it for yourself. I won't support anyone who makes up claims for the media. If I support someone, and it turns out that some of their statements are wrong, that they were made up, then it makes me look bad. It makes all animal rights activists look bad. Sea Shepherd are proud to show off a tally of the whaling ships they've sunk. You can see photos of the tally, painted on one of their ships, on Wikipedia, and other places online. I've heard that these ten whaling ships were sunk when they were empty, but I still think it's risky, and wrong, to destroy the whalers' ships. I'd like to mention the Rainbow Warrior. No, it's not a float from a gay parade. The Rainbow Warrior was a Greenpeace boat that was sunk in New Zealand. The boat was going to be protesting French nuclear weapon tests, and was sunk by French agents, the DGSE. Initially, France denied involvement, and joined in condemning it as a terrorist act. Later, however, it was found that the French intelligence group were accountable. They had placed one mine on the boat to make a small explosion, and then another that would sink the ship. The first was supposed to cause the boat to be abandoned, but some of the crew returned to the boat, including, forgive my pronunciation, Fernando Pereira, a photographer who drowned following the second explosion. The DGSE didn't mean to kill anyone as they sunk the Greenpeace boat, but they did. Sea Shepherds say they have never harmed another person. I guess they don't count stink bombs, boat rammings and lasers. But what if they did kill someone? I think it's irresponsible to go about sinking ten whaling boats, and especially to be so proud of it. And, at a later date, 
if one of your own boats gets sunk, no matter how beautiful or special the boat, I don't think you can then complain. You sunk ten whaling boats, and now they've sunk one of yours. Ten to one, I think both sides have been irresponsible. What's more, these Peter-esque pranks make it easier to write off our message. Especially if it looks like those greenies care so much about the bunny rabbits and the dolphins, but they don't care about people. This is often made fun of in popular culture, such as South Park. South Park have covered Peter before, as a bunch of radicals who protest the use of a cow as a school mascot. The Peter folk live in a commune and marry animals. When the animals are threatened by gunfire, the Peter members throw themselves in front of their animal partners and die in gruesome detail. The animals are shown not to care, they just walk away. Sea Shepherd themselves have been parodied on South Park. The parody is about Whale Wars, a TV show about Sea Shepherd. On Whale Wars, Paul Watson claims to have been shot by Japanese whalers while being filmed for Whale Wars. He was shot while Sea Shepherd were throwing glass bottles of bad-smelling substances at the whalers. A vest is meant to have stopped the bullet. Later, a metal fragment was found. I'll read from a BBC article about the incident. Mr. Watson told Australian Radio that he found a bullet in his Kevlar vest. It bruised my shoulder, but it would have hit my heart if I didn't have the vest, he said. He told Australia's ABC News that there was no justification for the whalers opening fire. We were doing what we usually do, which is putting stink bombs on deck, he said. So, while acting immature, throwing stink bombs at the whalers, he claims to be shot. The whalers deny this. Often violent language is used by Sea Shepherd. Watson said that the bullet would have hit his heart, for example. Many are now saying that Watson made the whole incident up. This would go with the claims mentioned in his book, according to the New Yorker, about making evidence up. I don't know if he really was shot or not, but I find it hard to believe a person who has apparently said it's fine for animal rights activists to make up evidence supporting their beliefs, who is also a grown man who goes about ramming ships, throwing stink bombs, and shining lasers into people's eyes. South Park also make fun of the stink bombs. I'll play the clip now. Are you ready to do this? Yeah! Yeah, hell yeah, let's do it! Are we badasses? Yeah! Are we badasses? Yeah! Alright, so... What do we do? Wait, I know. How about we go on their ship and then beat ourselves up? And then we can tell the media they did it! Great idea, Captain! I'll start right now! Oh my god, Luke's been hurt trying to save whales! Wait, wait, wait! I've got a better idea! How about I pretend to be shot? Then we can tell the media the Japanese shot me and start an international crisis! Well, wait, wait, we don't want to just lie about stuff. Why not? Well, cause then we're just douchebags, dude. Come on, they're right here. Let's, let's get hardcore! You know what? He's right. It's time to bring out the big guns! You guys ready? Ready? And throw the stinky butter at them! Ha ha, you stink now! Ha ha! Wait, that's it? Yeah, we make them stink. Ha ha, your boat is stinky! Here, here, throw one! Those guys are always covered in dolphin and whale guts. They don't care if they stink. Come on, let's break their boat! Well, no, that'd be illegal. Yeah. I thought you guys were pirates in a war! 
I'm a pirate in a war. Pirates don't worry about the law. You guys said you were badasses. We are. People think our methods are extreme, but we'll keep making their boat stink as long as they're killing whales and dolphins. To wrap up, I absolutely disagree with the whalers. Although I believe whales are no more special than cows or chickens, there are laws about not killing whales, and the whalers are getting around these. I also disagree with Sea Shepherd. I think that through their immature stunts, they make all animal rights activists look immature. Really, it seems like we have a stereotype of throwing blood at people who wear fur coats, getting almost naked women to live in cages, and using PR stunts to further our evil agenda. I think we would do much better by focusing on creative and non-violent vegan education. I support people who would protest the whalers with banners and protest, but not when these people perform irresponsible stunts on people's lives, especially in the middle of nowhere at sea. I don't see how throwing stink bombs, shining lasers and ramming ships helps animals. I see it as only harming our image, which helps people who promote veganism be written off as radicals. As a New Zealander, I loved Earthrace. I'll always regret not seeing it when I had the chance. I truly believe it belonged in a museum, or to be used for PR at well-known boat races. New Zealand has made a lot of breakthroughs when it comes to transport and exploration. Sir Edmund Hillary was the first, along with his Sherpa friend Tenzing Norgay, to reach the peak of Mount Everest. A New Zealander, Bill Hamilton, invented the jet boat engine, used on jet boats and jet skis. In 1960, a Hamilton jet became the first boat to travel through the Grand Canyon in America. We've come out of nowhere to win America's Cup yacht races. Some claim that Richard Pearce, who I covered on the first episode of the late Jay Won't Darts podcast, to have flown before the Wright brothers. Bert Munro, from Invercargill, where I live, had the fastest motorcycle in his class. The recent movie about him is well known, The World's Fastest Indian. I've always wished that they'd say, The World's Fastest Native American. The DVD starts off with some lame promotion for Southland, the region of New Zealand where I live, and some people I know had large roles in the movie, people I went to school with, and our mayor, Tim Shadbolt. Often New Zealand inventors have been modest about what they've done, and haven't received much recognition worldwide, hence, world famous in New Zealand. I think Earthrace was in the same league as those other achievements. I'm very sad that it sunk, and is practically lost forever. Yeah, there's various other things we can do as well. I, I don't want to see my boat with a harpoon stuck through the side of it and tied to the side of a Japanese boat, you know. It is an, an issue, isn't it? Just how nasty things can get down there. And once the refit is finished, he hopes shitloads more will see his antics bothering the Japanese whalers, for whom he has just this one request. I hope they don't shoot my boat, eh? Please don't support groups who perform dangerous stunts for media coverage. I honestly believe the best way to help animals is through creative, non-violent vegan education. That's what I try and do myself, and I support others who do the same. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact me, even just to say you listened, send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com or on Twitter, 
twitter.com slash J-A-Y-W-O-N-T-D-A-R-T. I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.